In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome back to Issues Week on the Politically Georgia podcast, where we're discussing the issues in Georgia's race for governor. I'm Greg Bluestein, and I'm joined by Tamar Hallerman, the AJC's Washington correspondent, to discuss the social issues impacting Georgia's race. Hey, Tamar, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, let's start off. We can we might as well call this segment all the issues that no candidates really want to talk about now, but used to talk about a lot. <laughs> Exactly. And it's, it's kind of the difference between a primary election and a general election, right? In the primary, you're trying to get your base voters out. What gets base voters out more than the hot button red meat issues like abortion, like guns, like Confederate monuments? Um, but now that the candidates are turning to the general election and trying to win over undecided voters, perhaps a bunch of people in the middle, it makes a lot less sense to be talking about those issues. You want to you know, bridge the gap, talk about things everybody can agree on, like the economy and jobs, where there is more of a middle ground. Is that kind of a fair assessment? Yeah. And Abrams had, had kind of been seizing on a lot of these, what she calls mainstream issues, expanding Medicaid, um, diversifying Georgia's economy, uh, boosting public school education, even throughout the primary. But what you didn't hear a lot on the Republican side was too much talk about those broader issues. There was a lot a lot, a lot on the social issues as every candidate tried to kind of position themselves to the to the right. They didn't want to get outflanked on issues like taxes, on issues like guns, on issues like abortions, um, on religious liberty, on all those issues. And you've really seen that metamorphosis from Brian Kemp, who ran in the primary as a politically incorrect conservative, and now he is a tell-it-like-it-is business guy. So... <laughs> <laughs> And I think what's so fascinating about this year is, you know, the movement on the Democrat side on these social issues, because in the past we saw a lot of centrist Democrats. Um, and that was kind of the strategy for a really long time after the parties realigned in the you know, 90s and 2000s. Um, for example, Jason Carter in 2014 was an NRA Democrat. Um, you know, talking about how much he likes the Second Amendment and his guns. Um, and now you're seeing Abrams, an unapologetic, you know, progressive, saying, no, I we need new restrictions on guns. This is not outrageous. But it, it just showcases how big the gulf has become um, between the two parties in, in this era. And that's a great place to start, because if you ask Abrams, um, she she is a progressive, but she doesn't feel like her stance on guns is progressive because she feels like her polls and other polls, including the AJC's poll, show that the momentum is starting to shift and that a broader base of Georgia voters 
are supportive of some fashion, some form or fashion of new gun control restrictions. Um, so it's really, it's really trying to kind of thread that needle. Uh, yes, she's a progressive, but, but she also believes that these are mainstream issues now. And talk to Brian Kemp, and he's like, "This is not mainstream at all." Um, you know, Stacey Abrams is, um, you know, out of step with what Georgians want. She's extreme, as I, I believe the word that keeps surfacing over and over again. Um, and a lot of his allies were happy to point out a tweet that a gun control activist had, I guess, tweeted out from a. I believe it was there. There was some sort of event where where Abrams appeared to talk to gun control advocates, um, where she misquoted Abrams, saying something like, "I don't want guns anywhere at all," anything like that. And they were so happy to point to that and see and say, "Hey, Stacey Abrams wants to take your guns away." That tweet was immediately deleted. Abrams camp clarified, "No, we just don't want guns everywhere all the time, but we are in favor of, you know." a strong second amendment or, or that's not the way to put it. We're in favor of reasonable gun control restrictions. Exactly. Reasonable gun control restrictions, which she says includes stronger background checks, um, uh, more ability for judges to decide whether or not to take away guns from people who are mentally, um, who are deemed to be mentally unhealthy, and um, a ban on assault uh, weapons. And the definition of assault weapons has, has varied over the years, but she does favor a ban on those sort of high capacity um, deadly weapons. And Brian Kemp is on the exact opposite side of this issue. He recently got the NRA's endorsement just a few weeks ago. The NRA had originally, as you all recall, endorsed Casey Cagle after the whole Delta flap. The NRA is now uh, fully supportive of of Kemp. And during that Delta flap, um, where Casey Cagle had orchestrated the removal, the defeat of a tax break supporting Delta after Delta had ended its marketing relationship with the NRA, uh, Brian Kemp came in and had a very interesting position. He said, uh, yeah, all the Republicans support gun rights expansions, but I actually want to go a step further. He wanted he's, he proposes a gun sales tax holiday for, on firearms and ammunition over the July, July 4th weekend. So um, he would go a step further when it comes to Second Amendment. What you're not hearing right now on campaign messaging, on the on really on the campaign trail, um, is any mention of that whatsoever right now. <laughs> and gone are the ads, you know, the, the infamous Jake ad that, that Brian Kemp had where he's kind of polishing his shotgun next to this teenage suitor of his, of his daughter talking about his strong support of the, the Second Amendment. Uh, now we are, we are in the final stretch where, where his family, his wife, they're starting to make more appearance in his campaign ads, um, way less blowing stuff up, no more pickup trucks, no more guns. And I'd say semi-gone is that. Jake Ab with him pointing a shotgun toward toward the, the teenage suitor for his daughter because it's while Kemp isn't re- rehashing Jake whatsoever, Democrats are. Stacey Abrams' latest ad shows uh, a number of of uh, a teacher and a police officer and a, and a parent all talking about her stance on on criminal justice stuff, and then it rehashes that image of Kemp pointing the gun and it has two people saying. Basically, who does that? Brian Kemp pointed a shotgun at an ad. Uh, pointed a shotgun at a kid in his own ad. Who does that? So they are trying. Democrats are trying their best to try to remind people of those controversial ads. Yeah, and you look at the messaging coming from both sides going into this final stretch, and it's always the other side is so extreme, out of the mainstream, blah blah blah, and it, it, it transitions to every issue. Um, abortion, for example, is a huge divide between the two candidates. Um, You have Brian Kemp, who um, 
back earlier this spring, vowed to outdo Mississippi, um, which enacted one of the most restrictive bans on abortions. Basically, um, no abortions after 15 weeks in most cases. And and Kemp said, not only am I in favor of that, but I'm going to try and one-up them if I become governor. Exactly. And on the other side of the divide is Stacey Abrams, who has Planned Parenthood's endorsement. And that endorsement came in the middle of the primary, which was a big, big deal because Stacey Evans, her primary appointment, also had very strong uh, abortions rights voting record. And the Evans camp was very upset that Planned Parenthood waited in. They, they were hoping at the very least that Planned Parenthood would, would stay neutral and at the best that they might endorse Evans, um, who actually came shortly after um, uh, having her daughter giving birth to her daughter, she rushed to the, uh, she, she was able to make it to the Georgia legislature for a vote on a, uh, a vote against an abortion restriction. Um, so you've got two camp- candidates on the opposite ideological spectrum on abortion. And one more big, huge issue that they're really uh, divided on, on in terms of social legislation is religious liberty. And that's sort of been the, the bugaboo the, 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 in the background for years now under the gold dome. Exactly. And and especially in the lead up to the Republican primary, you had Casey Cagle and Brian Kemp um, kind of rebuking Nathan Deal a little bit, saying, you know, if we, you know, if either one of us gets elected, we are going to pass this religious liberty bill that, that Deal had vetoed coming out of the legislature. Exactly. Um, and they all signed, all Republicans except for Clay Tippin signed a pledge that they would sign this religious liberty legislation um, if they're elected governor. Now, Brian Kemp has recently uh, added a wrinkle to that pledge. A few weeks ago here in Atlanta, he said that uh, he would only sign that legislation if it was an exact copy of the 1993 federal version of that bill that, that Bill Clinton signed into law that Nathan Deal as a congressman voted voted for um, in the U.S. House. So he's saying that if, if they change one word of, of that, he would veto it. To Stacey Abrams, that's still too far. And to many of her supporters, they still view that that legislation as discriminatory. And Stacey Abrams has said that she will not support what she calls hostile and discriminatory legislation. So she is making that the, the maybe maybe one of the central pivot points to her pitch, especially to, to pro-business, to business groups and to tourism groups and to trade groups all around the state. She brings that up almost as soon as she can. One issue I wanted to talk about briefly kind of at the end here is Stone Mountain, um, because it's it's obviously always an issue of debate when it comes to, you know, to Confederate monuments in the South and, and what to do with it. And I think you've seen both candidates, I wouldn't say soften their rhetoric on Stone Mountain a little bit, but we have seen them change ever so slightly the way that they're talking about this issue. Yeah, well, you've seen it from Stacey Abrams. She's modulated, I guess is, is a good yeah. word for it. She's no longer, uh, you know, th- this came up in, it was around August or September of last year, right after the Charlottesville white supremacist rallies and all the violence there. Um, she tweeted in a series of tweets, actually, uh, essentially saying that she wants the Confederate um, faces, the Confederate trio, trio on Stone Mountain removed from Stone Mountain. Um, and, and Stone Mountain, of course, is, this, is a state-owned monument. It's the largest monument to the Confederacy in the nation. Um, and she argued that anything, anything state-owned, you know, should not be a uh, anything the state owned should not be a, a, a tribute to um, a, a racist war, uh, the Civil War. Uh, Brian Kemp has and, and other Republicans have firmly opposed that 
throughout. She has since you know tempered her message a little bit, essentially saying she still supports what she originally said, but she also is mindful that it would it would cost a lot of money. It would be a very hard legislative fight because it would have to go to the legislature. Um, so she's looking for other ways uh, to, to 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 add some nuance, I guess is the right word, to the memorial. Yeah, I have the quote right in front of me here. Um, I guess she she. Uh spoke at, I guess, the quote is from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, where she mentioned, you know, she's speaking passionately about the need to remove Confederate statues, um, or, quote, at least provide more context about Georgia's history of slavery. And I think that could leave room for her a little later. Exactly. And that that's a lot, you're hearing a lot of, of a similar stance from DeKalb County CEO Michael Thurman, who's also said he wants some sort of memorial, um, especially for African American soldiers who served on the Confederate side uh, on on top of of Stone Mountain, or other ways to sort of um, you know provide more. I don't know if balance is the word, but provide a deeper context. Um, Brian Camp. Um, he has not made this a giant campaign issue, uh, but at the time and, and since then, he's kind of stuck to his to his original statement that um, he supports Stone Mountain remaining as it is, and um, and does not want to uh, you know erase, in his words, erase that legacy. Yeah, exactly. And and he's kind of taken what I've heard from a lot of Republicans, they, they refer to this a lot, like a kind of Condoleezza Rice theory of, of history. You can't run from the the past, um, need to embrace it and learn from it is the, the quote we have from him here. But um, what exactly that could mean in the context of, of Stone Mountain, still a little unclear. Exactly. Well, Tamar, thank you so much for joining us. That is all for this Issues Week episode. Stay tuned for the very next one. You can head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia, where you'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us because we really appreciate your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.